All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, My name is Christian. I'm the lead pastor here at City Light, and so excited to see all of you here today. But today is just a uh, kind of a one-off teaching for Thanksgiving that we're going to be, something that God put on my heart that I'm going to be sharing with you guys. So, you guys doing good? Yeah. Are you feeling thankful? Oh, man. That was really bad. You're just still lethargic, right? How many people have more than one Thanksgiving meal over the weekend? That's it. I'm actually surprised by that. I mean, I had two Thanksgiving dinners, and then um, I made Thanksgiving lunch twice, and I've had a Thanksgiving breakfast. So, um, no? Nobody else? I mean, you can take the leftover ham, and you put it on a bagel with an egg and some melted cheese and some salt and pepper. Thanksgiving for breakfast. No one else does this stuff? You got you to get through the... See, some of you are leftovers families. See, I was raised by my father. We will eat leftovers even... Like, you know, just knock the mold off and eat it, right? So um, leftovers, uh, in some ways, like we were trying to decide last night. My dad makes this delicious green bean casserole. My sons and I were trying to decide, is it better hot out of the oven or cold the next day? I mean, which one's better? I'm going to tell you, to be honest, I kind of go for the cold. I mean, I just like to get out of the fridge, pop the lid off of the, you know. My dad also has like six million sizes of containers. So anything, if you have one green bean left or a million, he's got a container that size, side note. But yeah, cold. Anybody cold leftover person? I got three, four, five. All right. Jonathan, I don't know. I'm going to take you to task on that because I have seen your refrigerator and I, if it weren't for me, those leftovers would get thrown away very often. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm in a great mood today. I love being here at City Light. I mean, I'm telling you, maybe it's just because I'm a pastor, but Mondays are a little bit sad for me because I have to wait the whole week to see you guys again. There's something exciting that's happening here. There's something good. There's a good uh, momentum. There's a good vibe here. I was hanging out with um, Alex, is one of my other brother-in-laws, and hanging out with him this weekend. He was just saying, you know, he just looks forward to being here because it just feels like family, and it feels like exciting, like God's doing something. So listen, if, if you haven't been here before, or it's been a while since you've been here, we're so excited you're here. We started City Light so that we could welcome more people on this journey of faith and getting to know Jesus. And even if you're skeptical of Jesus or faith, Literally, we are so glad you're here, and we hope that you, you hang out with us and stay with us. So um, I want to tell you a story about uh, a parenting. This will just wet your whistle for next week. Um, this is, I, I can't decide if it's our best parenting moment or our worst, what, wet your whistle? Okay, so everybody under 20 didn't like that. Um, all right, wet your appetite? Um, okay. Anyway, so <laughs> we... Um, this was a long time ago, and we have two sons and, and, and two daughters. Remember, we bought the two daughters uh, pajamas one time. All right, and so uh, Mandy bought them pajamas, special pajamas. I don't know what they were for. And uh, the girls put them on, and, and then they had, they had a big fight about it, and they were, like, complaining about something about them. And, you know, you know those times as a parent, those of you who are parents, where you put your foot down, and you're like, oh, man, I'm really going to have to die on this hill, right? So Mandy put her foot down and said something along the lines of, if you don't change your attitude, I'm taking these pajamas back. Or no, we're giving them to somebody who would be grateful. Yeah, so, so she did. She is, she is like a ninja mom, right? She took their PJs, ripped them off their bodies, sent them to bed naked. No, but she did take the PJs. And she literally gave them away to people in need. 
And it was a lesson that I've never forgotten. I don't, I, I don't know if the kids remember or not. But she was like, listen, if you're not going to be grateful, we'll give them to someone who will be grateful. And she followed up on it. I can't even follow up on, like, if you don't turn off the TV in five minutes, I'm going to take your phone away. You're like, I'm like, eh, seven minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. All right, close enough. I'm, I'm not quite as uh, follow-through as Mandy. But so, you know, you think about, gratefulness and gratitude. And oftentimes we think about expressing gratitude because we've gotten something. And I want to talk about today, what if gratitude is not about what you get, and it's more about what you are willing to give, specifically to God, but also to others? And and what if gratitude isn't always about things going your way? What if gratitude is about a discipline of your life where you're always looking for the things that you can be grateful for no matter the situation you're in. See, sometimes I think we do, we do lazy gratitude. We do easy thankfulness. It's easy to be thankful when someone gives you a gift most of the time, except for our kids, right? It's easy to be grateful to God when things are going well in your life. Thank you, Jesus, for that bonus that I just got. Thank you, God, for our kids doing well in school. Thank you, Jesus, that our marriage is just clicking on all cylinders, right? But but is gratitude then just you stop when things are difficult? Is gratitude just for the good times? And then what's the alternative? Complaining, ungratefulness. And, and what I, what I want to just talk about today, the, the thought for today is can we learn to be grateful in those difficult situations? Is that even a thing? Can we be relentlessly grateful, relentlessly grateful, relentlessly thankful in all circumstances where we're looking for ways to be thankful? So let, let's say you're a teenager and you feel like your parents are overbearing. We're not going to do a show of hands, teenagers, but I know that if we did a poll, it'd be 100%, Right? So if you feel like, you're, what, what can you do there? Can you complain about that? Can you feel, can you feel overburdened? Can you rah, rah, gripe? Or can you be thankful? Like, how could you be thankful? We got, this is what I want to talk about. You got to become uh, proactive in this. How can I be grateful? Well, I can be grateful that I have parents that care. I mean, they, may not, they might care too much, and you might not like how they care, but at least they care. Maybe you're, maybe you're waiting to find someone to marry, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and it feels like it's been 10 years, and everyone you know, you know, you just keep getting those wedding invitations. How can you be grateful in that situation in life? Well, maybe you can find gratitude in the waiting. Thank you, God, that you've taught me to wait. This is counterintuitive. It's not about what we get. It's about what we give to God. Maybe your marriage is struggling. You know, today you're like, that whole mountaintop experience, yeah, I can barely remember that. You know, we've got three teenagers in the house or whatever. You know, you've watched the marital satisfaction charts, right? It's like, they, you know, you get married, honeymoon, kids, teenagers, right? Then they move out, and it goes back up here. So just hold on. You're going to make it, okay? Uh, and, and I know that that is true, but I also want to just side note say, I don't think it has to be that way. You know, I, I really don't. That might be how society trends, but we don't have to trend that way, okay? But anyway, if you're struggling right now, we all go through seasons of struggle in our marriage, can you be grateful in that, or are you just bummed out? Are you just depressed? Are you like, man, life sucks. My marriage sucks. Everything sucks. Is that your attitude? See, gratitude makes you shift your focus off of the things that are going wrong. So Jesus, thank you for the struggle. I mean, do you really want to just have a life of no struggle? Don't answer that. 
It's rhetorical. I know we kind of do, but honestly, if you look back at your life, the times when you've grown, the times when you've become the person you want to become have been through the struggle. We don't learn a whole lot when everything's going our way. We don't grow a whole lot when everything is easy. God, thank you for the struggle. Thank you that we're going to work this out together. You could be lonely today. I mean, we could just keep going. Thank you, God, for teaching me to rely on you alone. Thank you that I don't need people. I need you first and then people. Right? There's just always ways to find thankfulness. If we would be relentlessly thankful. So many things we just take for granted. In fact, I have the middle school is going to um, try to come up with 50 things they take for granted on the whiteboard in there today. That's going to be one of their exercises. This, that would be easy. I thought about making it 100. I mean, there's so many things we take for granted. We have, we're, we have these kittens in our, sh- in our shed. <laughs> we rescued the kittens, and we put them in our shed on purpose to keep them safe. And it's warm in there, and we feed them. They're doing great. And I was in there yesterday, and I was like, you know what is, really sucks about this shed? There's no chairs. And I just realized, like, Chairs are an amazing invention because I'm in the shed. I'm in there for like a half hour at a time feeding these kittens, and I either have to sit on the floor, which makes my butt and my back hurt after a while, or I have to stand, which makes my feet hurt. I'm, you know, I'm pretty soft. So I was like, you know what this shed could use? A nice chair. Somewhere, I started thinking somewhere along the line in humanity, someone was sitting on a rock or sitting on the ground. I was like, you know what? I got to make a chair. And that was the first chair. Thank you, God, for chairs. That's what I was thinking last night when I was hanging out with the kittens. I don't know how I got onto that. Okay, so, oh, the things we take for granted. So I want to I share with you a verse today. Okay, so this is, uh, we're going to talk about Paul the whole time today. Paul was one of the earliest followers of Jesus, and he was the, one of the most radical followers of Jesus. And he, he suffered for sharing the message of Jesus in ways that I never probably will. I <laughs> hope not. And, um... So just being honest. So here's this one verse that he wrote. So he wrote a bunch of letters to a bunch of churches that were in a bunch of towns, and we've named the letters after the towns, okay? When he originally wrote the letters, they didn't have chapters and they didn't have verses. Since then, men have broken that up so we can refer to it in the same way. So in chapter five of this book, we have titled First Thessalonians, he says this, see that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another. He's already starting this theme of doing what you don't naturally think you should do. This is Jesus. This is the Christian ethic. Love your neighbors. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus said, what credit is it to you if you love those who love you? Everybody can do that. He said, no, I say love your enemies. It's a powerful uh, difference when you read Jesus And you lay that against other philosophies taught in the world. It's powerful. Seek that no one repays anyone for evil. So this is assuming someone's done evil to you. Don't repay evil, but seek to do good. Instead, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in some circumstances. I just did it. You see, it's the teacher thing. Did you catch it? Give thanks when it's easy. No, watch. Ready? Boom. Actually, it says, give thanks in all circumstances. I looked up the Greek for that word, and it means all, okay? All circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, Paul, who are you to say this to us? You know, I mean, come on. You don't know my life. You know, you don't know my wife. 
You don't know my kids. You don't know my financial situation. You don't know my cars. Cars, any, anyone? My cars. Okay. I want to tell you about Paul. So Paul wrote 13 letters. And here's the names of all of them. And I just did a study of how many times did Paul tell about his thankfulness. And I want to show you. Ready? Boom. All the ones that are bolded. So nine out of his 13, he starts off saying something about being thankful to God. And listen, four of those he wrote from prison. He wrote from a, now I don't know if you think prison's a nice place today. I don't think it is, but it was worse. I mean, a Roman prison shackled to a guard sitting on the dirt with no chair. Can you imagine? And he's just suffering, and yet he's writing these letters to other Christians who aren't in prison. So he was nine for 13, four out of four from prison. And if you don't believe me, we're going to read every single one of them this morning. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. We're going in order. Romans. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because he heard from about their faith. First Corinthians, I always thank my God because of his grace given to you. Ephesians, written from prison. See, that's why I put that there. All right, you got it? Ever since I heard about your faith, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I thank God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray. Just pause. Paul prays for people. Side note to this teaching, right? We could just move the yellow, and that would be another challenging teaching. Listen how much he prays for people. We always thank God when we pray for you. First Thessalonians, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, because your faith is growing more and more. I thank God, whom I serve, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. You getting tired of it yet? Good, because that's the last one. Okay? He was relentless. He was sitting in prison thinking, what can I be thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for their faith. I heard about their faith. Someone came and visited me yesterday and told me about the, this church in Rome and their faith is doing well. Man, God, thank you for their faith. What else can I be thankful for? We're, we're going to get into a little bit deeper. But he was relentlessly thankful. Thank you for what you're doing in the city of Ephesus. There's so many Christians there, and I know they're persecuted, but they're holding on. Thank you for them, Jesus. And he just had this attitude, say it with me, of gratitude. See, I I didn't use it in my teaching notes at all, just so you know. He was relentlessly thankful over and over and over again in all of his circumstances. So let's talk about why this is important. Because listen, whether you're a Christian or not, Whether you believe what the Bible says or not, this is good for you. So you don't have to, I mean, I'm hoping that as you hang out with us, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you'll start to see that the things Jesus says are true for life and they're helpful for life. But you don't have to be a Christian for this to help your life. All right, there's studies that show, you can go look it up in psychology today. I read an article in there and another article at another magazine Thankfulness defeats negativity and depression. You actually create a virtuous cycle because when you're grateful, you release dopamine in your brain, which is basically the brain's chemical that says, hey, that thing you just did, do that again and do it again and do it again. You can create a virtuous cycle where you become relentlessly grateful. 
Gratitude is linked to lesser anxiety. They actually did a study with a group of young adults, and half of them, they challenged to write in a gratitude journal every day. I think it was for a month. And the other half, they said, write down all the things that annoyed you today. Two different journals. They had much less anxiety, lower levels of depression. They had greater productivity, showed greater initiative. Now, the anxiety wasn't a direct correlation. You want to know why they were less anxious? Because if you're more grateful, you sleep better. I never knew that. I struggle with sleep. I'm going to be thankful all the time. Sleep and anxiety are my two things. I just solved it right here. I didn't know the Bible had the answer for that too. It's amazing. It's a direct correlation to depression. It helps you with physical illness. I mean, this, I'm not making this stuff up. Gratitude is powerful. Relentless thankfulness is powerful in all situations, not just when you get what you want. That's why it's not about what you get. It's about what you give. The second thing it does is it promotes contentment. All right? So I, I was, um, we have an issue in our house. And I don't know if you have issues in your house. We probably all do, right? There's like one or two things that you're like, I mean, I love my house, but. All right, so here's the thing. In our basement, it's a finished basement, and the people put down these carpet squares, which I thought was weird because I've never seen carpet squares before. They look, you know, they're like 18 inches by 18 inches, and you can pick them up. So you can, you can shuffle it and change the pattern, I guess. Maybe that's cool. I don't know. But, um, so, but what happens is the, uh, the brick, it's a brick basement, and it's underground, the brick leaks. Did you know the brick was porous? You're learning so much today, aren't you? Listen, City Light, spiritual and life advice, anytime you want. So, but brick, it leaks, and, and actually our brick doesn't just leak, it's, it's like spurts. I took a video last night, because I want to show my father-in-law, so he's going to help me deal with this. But it's like, it's actually like, pss, like it's peeing out onto the carpet. Our brick is. And and the carpet touches. That's one of those times where Mandy just went like this. I just saw, I saw her. But the carpet touches it. And so what's the carpet do? It absorbs it. And then it spreads out all over the basement. So we want to put a new floor down, but we don't want it to touch the brick. And so then there's going to expose our drainage ditch that goes around. And we're going to put a new floor in with this ugly drainage ditch. Man, I am so frustrated. We've been talking about this for like a year. I was thinking, what can I be grateful about this? You know? Well, I mean, to be honest, thank you, Jesus, that I have a house. I mean, so many things we take for granted. Thank you, Jesus, that I have running water, that I have hot water. Thank you, God, that we're, we're protected from the elements. Like, now it's starting to get cold outside. Do you ever come inside when it's, like, bitter cold, and you, you think you might die from your car to the front door? You know, and it's blowing, and it's freezing. And you get inside, and you feel the warmth. You ever, you ever have that thought, Man, thank you, God, for central air. I mean, we don't have central air. So I say thank you, God, for the boiling water baseboard heater things. I don't totally understand how that works. But, you know, do you ever thank God for the simple things? When you're thankful, it pr- promotes contentment. I want to pro- prove this to you from Paul's story. Watch this. So gratitude changes your perspective when your circumstances won't change. So Paul's in prison. That's not going to change. Just, I want you to be encouraged and maybe challenged a little bit. Listen to what Paul says here. This is just after one of those times when he said how thankful he is. He says this, guys, I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So he's rotting in a Roman jail. And he's like trying to encourage the people who aren't in jail. Guys, listen, don't worry about me. 
this is good. As a result of me being in jail, guess what's happened? I guess I got to tell you, the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in uh, Wait, hold on. It has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So Paul's not just wasting away. He's actually letting his light of hope for Jesus Christ shine in prison so that the jailers are starting to know about Jesus. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become more confident in the Lord and they're proclaiming the gospel without fear. He's like, listen, I would be locked up every day if it means that more people would know Jesus and that more Christians would become more bold. But it doesn't stop there. He starts to talk about this thing. All right, look, it's true that some people preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Let me tell you what's going on here. While he was in prison, he had some opponents who were taking the time that he was off the streets to go teach their version of things, and they're trying to uproot some of his teachings. And he says, so some people are doing it for ill will. Some people are doing it for good. Look at verse 18. But what does it matter? It's an incredible perspective. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Could you say that? Can you say that when at work other people are getting ahead and they're getting ahead for wrong motives or for wrong ways? I mean, think about the power of this attitude he's cultivated. He goes on, he says, yes, I will continue to rejoice. And he basically says, whether I live or die in this prison. He's like, listen, I hope that my life has been good for you and has been encouraging to you, and I, I'm, I trust that I'll die in the same way. So whether I live or die, I want Jesus to be exalted in my life. And because of that, I will continue to rejoice. See, gratitude changes your perspective. He could be in jail, and he could have been writing and being like, guys, it is so hard in here. I feel so alone. None of you come visit me. None of you are talking to me. I just went a whole week without food. People are making fun of me. People are going to churches I've worked so hard at. They're going and telling them they have to do all these things that I told them they didn't have to do. It's so frustrating. Why won't God deliver me? Where are you, God? God has left me. God is a mean God. He doesn't love me like he loves other people. God's done this to me. He's put me in prison. You know, we go there, don't we? Things don't go our way. Who do we blame first? Usually God. But he's like, listen, I see God's hand. I'm in prison, but God's letting me talk to the jailers. I'm in prison and people are preaching for false motives, but God, his name is still getting out there. Tricked them. They thought they were going to do something bad, but they're actually helping me. Right? What an incredible thing. See, gratitude and relentless thankfulness changes your perspective and makes you content. In all situations. And the third thing is, you know, what I find is that when we're relentlessly thankful, it recenters our life on Jesus. So I'm talking a lot about being grateful to Jesus, but I also think this works with each other. But just let's just talk about this. If you're a follower of Jesus, what this helps you do is remember that life isn't all about you. This is what it does for me. And I I taught a couple months ago about you know, the inner life, and we talked about this thing called the examine, and I gave you this card, and there's five steps to it. I don't know if you remember that. It's like a, a five to ten minute exercise you can do to kind of center yourself on, for the day on Jesus and his presence. And step number two is to be grateful. And I do this. I don't do it every day, but I do it regularly. And the, the first step is become aware of God's presence, and the second step is to thank God. So if you do this regularly, you're constantly having to look for things to thank God for. 
Thank you, God, that that meeting didn't go as bad as I thought it was going to go. I mean, that's, you can be thankful for that kind of stuff. Thank you, God, that you showed up when I was bold and went and served someone and I was afraid and I put myself out there. Thank you, God, when I prayed for my friend that you answered my prayer. See, sometimes I think in life we think it's, we start to feel like it's all up to us and our effort and it's all about us. And what centering our lives on gratitude does is it helps us to say, no, Jesus Jesus is the one who's leading me. Jesus is the one who fulfills my prayers. But Jesus is the one who has the answer for my issues. The more that you're thankful to God, the more it's going to put him back at the center of your life. Then the less that you're thankful, the more that you become the center. Because you think it's all up to you. You have to perform better to make that happen. You have to find and figure out and do and do and do and do and do. And sometimes it's so powerful to step back and say, Thank you, Jesus, in this moment that you still love me, even if that's all you've got. This hurts. This is going the wrong way. This is backwards. This person's abandoned me. Thank you, Jesus, that you still love me. In the end, your love and what you think about me matters most. In the end, my identity is found in you. It's not found in what other people say. It's not found in my performance. Thank you, Jesus. See, it recenters your life. It's a powerful discipline, and, and it's so practical that I just want to encourage all of us to try it. I want to challenge you to do it for a week. Hey, the, uh, the band can come up. So I want to challenge you to do it for a week. Here's some ways that you can do this. So you could just start thanking God for one thing every day before you go to bed because it helps you sleep, okay? It's a great time to do it. So you just say, thank you, God. Look at your whole day. See, the, uh, this is kind of a long time ago. But the Jesuits were like a kind of a, a faction, or I don't know what the right word is, but they were, they were some pretty amazing believers in Jesus. They did a lot of amazing things hundreds of years ago. But they used to do this thing five times a day, where they would realize God is with them and find one thing to be grateful for. That means five times a day, they'd be like, okay, it's been three hours since last time I did this, or two hours. God, thank you that I can breathe. Right? How many things do we take for granted? I wonder how many things you could write down without repeating something. You know? Thank you, God, that I have friends. Thank you, God, for the technology that connects me with people I wouldn't normally be connected with. Thank you, God, that I have my health. Or if you don't have your health, thank you, God, for the people that are caring for me. I think that we really can, can start to dig. Like, remember thankfulness 101 is like when life's easy. We're talking about graduate level thankfulness here. We're talking about, can you look at the hard part of your life and dig into that and find things to be grateful for? Because it's going to lift you up in that area of your life. It's going to help you see Jesus there. You can start a gratitude journal. So you can just start doing that every day. Just start writing something that you're thankful for. You could start sending, I'm going to add to that, you can start uh, writing thank you letters to people. Like send a thank, don't make it just about God, you can make it about each other. Go this week every day and send a thank you text once a day to somebody. Make it a part of your daily prayer. We already talked about that. Determine to thank God for one thing in every hard, stressful situation of your life. Just try it. Okay, so the way we end teachings here is we want to give you a chance to respond. So let's stand together. Thank you guys for being so attentive. I'm really thankful for the fact that you listened that whole time. Only a few of you got that, which means only a few of you really listened, but I thank you that you listened. Uh, so here's a couple things that we, we do. We're going to sing a final song, 
And so you want to, you can just sing this song. You can worship God, and, and that might be what you need to do right now. If you need prayer for anything in life, we have people over there ready to pray for you. If you're sick today, or you're feeling, if you have pain, even chronic pain, um, please go get prayer. We believe that God heals when we pray for each other. If you're emotionally in pain, if you're, if you're anxious or stressed or depressed, we would love for you to get prayer for that. Or if anything else is going on in your life, feel free to get prayer. You could also just take this time to kind of meditate on what is one area in my life I struggle to be thankful and, and spend some time doing that. So we'll sing this song and I'll come back up here and we'll close. Just to uh, close out, I want to read you a quick story. So this is uh, from the, the book, The Hiding Place. It's about Corey Ten Boom. I don't know if you've heard this before. Um, so they're in a concentration camp. And she says, so I'm going to read a little part of it to you. Suddenly I sat up striking my head and uh, something had pinched my leg. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, who's Corey Ten Boom's sister, this place is swarming with them. Here, here, another one. How can we live in such a place? Show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly, it took me a second to realize that she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer. Before we asked, as he always does, in the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. So she looks down. She starts to read it. Here it is. Comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that none of you repays evil for evil. It seemed written expressly for us. Go on. That wasn't all. Oh, yes. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's it, Corey. That's the answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now and thank God for every single thing about this new place. I stared at her. Then around at me, at the dark, foul-aired room. Such as, I said, such as being assigned here together. I bit my lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus such as what you're holding in your hands. I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord. There was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all these women who will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy. Thank you for the overcrowding here. Since we're packed so close, many more will hear. She looked at me expectantly. Corey? Oh, all right. Thank you for the jammed, crammed, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you, Betsy said for the fleas. The fleas? This was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between the tiers of bunks and gave thanks for the fleas. But this time I was sure she was wrong. This is later in the story. She walks in. You know, we've never understood why we've had so much freedom in the big room to read the Bible. Well, I have found out. That afternoon, she said, there had been confusion in her knitting group, and they had asked a supervisor to settle it, but she wouldn't come through the door, and neither would any of the guards. You know why? Betsy could not keep the triumph from her voice. Because of the fleas. This place is crawling with fleas, is what the guard said. My mind rushed back to our first hour in this place, and I remembered Betsy's bowed head, remembered her thanks to God for the creatures I could see no use for. So obviously we're not in that, none of us are in that situation, but I just found that while I was studying this week and thought it was so challenging. So let's pray. Jesus, 
I mean, only you can help us to become relentlessly thankful in all circumstances. So would you help us? Would you soften our hearts where we tend towards complaining and ingratitude and taking things for granted? God, would you soften our hearts to become more grateful in all circumstances? Would you show us the art of finding things to be thankful for in situations where it seems like there's nothing there? You know, we just sang about how we would rejoice in the simple gospel. Let us just have gratitude in our hearts for the very fact that you died and rose again for our sins. So right now with our heads bowed and just our eyes closed, if you could just keep your eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never known that Jesus died for you, if you've never said yes to it, or maybe you've been away from Jesus for a long time and you know in your heart you need to come back to him, you need to, to say again, yes, Jesus, I want you to, to lead me. I give you my life. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And you just pray along with me in your heart. It doesn't have to be out loud. The rest of us, just keep your eyes closed. You can pray along too. These are good words to say. So let's pray. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died and rose again for my sins. I believe that the gift of salvation is free and I can't earn it. I know that I have fallen short and I ask that you would save me and forgive me today. In Jesus' name, amen. So just keep your eyes closed for one more second. If you are here today and you you prayed that prayer, raise your hand. No one else is going to look except for me. If you just raise your hand. So if you raised your hand, what I want you to do, if you'd be willing, there's newcomer cards. Even if you're not a newcomer, if you just grab the newcomer card, And just put a little X on the corner and put your name and email. I want to email you tomorrow and I want to send you something. So if you'd be willing to take that step, I know it's a little scary, but I'd love to connect with you and I have a book that you'd like to, that I think would be good for you. All right, Jesus, thank you for new life. Thank you for recommitment to you. Thank you for your spirit working in our hearts and thank you that you love us, God. We pray that we would live this week with more gratitude than we lived last week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Real quick before the music starts, if you are here for your first time or you're new here, haven't been here in a while and you filled out a card, don't forget to stop at the welcome booth on your way out. I want to give you a gift and thank you for coming.